Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Digital Government Podcast. This is your usual host, Federico Plantera, journalist, sociologist, and researcher. And today, for the end of the year, we have, obviously, the one and only with us, Hannes Astok, Executive Director of eGovernance Academy. Hannes, welcome back. Hi, Federico. Hi, our dear listeners. So, we are wrapping up the year. Hannes, the most natural, uh, obvious uh, question uh, to start with is definitely, what year has it been for eGovernance Academy 2022? Because a lot of stuff happened on international, uh, on international politics, at the international level, and uh, to not only some extent, but to quite a large extent, let's say, that also took space, time, effort, and also just genuine commitment, let's say, from the side of eGovernance Academy in our activities. So what year has it been? Yeah, it has been uh, a very controversial year in the sense that, uh, that definitely as eGovernance Academy has been working and, and still very largely working in Ukraine and we are very much affected by the Russian brutal, unjustified aggression to Ukraine. And um, it affects us in many senses. We have a team of more than 20 people in Ukraine working very hard also during the war. And we really appreciate their work, what they have done for, for Ukraine and the and e-governance academy projects during 2022. So uh, it has been controversial in this sense that uh, people are working well, people are working in very hard wartime conditions, but it also has shown us that um, resilience of any country is today very much dependent on uh, uh, their digital uh, capabilities. Because uh, Ukraine has shown that uh, if you have built up proper digital government and digital services for the citizens, they can work almost uh, uninterruptedly during the wartime also. We have seen it, uh, let's say, in Tonga last year, when uh, uh, there was a volcano eruption and the whole main island was covered with ash. But after the uh, basic cleaning works were done and electricity and communication was restored, the government was able to continue the operations because they had a lot of digital systems, but were not destroyed. So, um, uh, so uh, in this sense, for eGovernance Academy, year 2022 was also providing a lot of opportunities. We were asked by European Union member states to provide rapid assistance to Ukraine. So we delivered more than, um, for more than 10 million euros, rapid assistance for digital and data security. We assisted in various aspects Ukraine government uh, to survive in digital sphere during the war. And also we assisted uh, a lot of Ukrainian uh, institutions to build up their resilience and cybersecurity capacities. Also, we worked hard in Western Balkans. And also in Western Balkans, this, this uh, year has been pretty tough, especially because m many countries have been under very serious cyber attacks. So we have assisted those countries also to survive in those conditions. So uh, in a nutshell, the year was harsh, but also provided a lot of opportunities. 
Hannes, do you think this year has been, let's say, harsher than others? Or better, let's say this these past few years. Because, for example, you mentioned the case of Tonga, which is an event that happened, uh, indeed, like uh, almost a year ago. And uh, uh, would you say that in terms of the topics, let's say, that the Governance Academy had to deal with, no? Um, there was a bit more stress, you know, on uh, factors of pressure or in any case, you know, like uh, stress or attacks or threats in general, no? Rather than, uh, rather than it was, for example, in some other past years, whether these threats were natural or uh, man-made, let's say, or country-made. Yeah, um, I think there is always a lot of stress in, in the work. <laughs> Whatever you do, there is a kind of good stress and sometimes bad stress also. But uh, I should say that um, the early years, let's say a year of pandemic and let's say various, let's say this volcano eruption in Tonga, uh, it was somehow, uh, uh, I cannot say predictable, but handleable. You at least somehow understand why it happens and uh, you understand that one day it should cool down. But the conditions of war are always very, very hard and, and definitely for and especially if your team in the country what is under attack, under physical uh, war attack. So in this sense, definitely this year has been the hardest uh, in our history. But again, as I said, the year provided also a lot of new opportunities, both related to Ukraine and, and several other countries. So, uh, so I believe that. Uh, by the end of the, this year, we are stronger than at the beginning of this year. Stronger than at the beginning. And also, I mean, this is, it, it's also an interesting proxy, let's say, you know, the fact that we had to deal in governance academy experts like on uh, on the spot. Also, like, for example, in the case of Ukraine, but also like in the Western Balkans, had to deal with a lot of emergencies, let's say, you know, that in some way piling up then became a sort of like systemic, uh, sustained situation of like you know resilience and emergency and the topics of resilience and uh, facing emergencies are something that we've been talking about already for a couple of years uh, perhaps maybe the start of the pandemic no was what brought uh, to the spotlight in a sense the, the the topic of resilience even the word itself resilience no and um, yeah it's definitely interesting also that the governance academy has found itself at the center of these events at the center of uh, um yeah the main events in the current and international affairs and uh, on in the on the world scene in any case of the of the past couple of years or at least uh some of the main among them but in this sense focusing for a moment on uh, some of the countries that uh, that you have mentioned um for the work that was done this year uh, I would start from the. Um, I would start definitely from Ukraine because obviously uh, we've put like a lot of um, how to say mm, a lot of importance and a lot of relevance, obviously, on in the issue. But I would like also to maybe give you know like a bit of a mm, refresh to to what were essentially and what are the conditions where uh, that, that our colleagues are. Uh, are now by now essentially used to work in in Ukraine because I remember that in uh, I think it was March uh, that for example I recorded an episode of this podcast with one of the colleagues of the team in Ukraine who was moving from a place to another and essentially the screen was dark all around I remember also that Christina Mand had another conversation uh, with one of the colleagues of the team in Ukraine also 
about the situation there. But Hannes, like, what is the situation there now for the for the colleagues working there? Uh, the situation is pretty tough still. I visited Kiev a few weeks ago and uh, and meet my colleagues there, and and the situation in Kiev, or this capital city of Ukraine, but also in other cities are, are I should say. People are on alert because any time Russians may may have another rocket attack, uh, and they are currently, as we are recording this episode, that in December 2022, currently they are mainly attacking uh, civic infrastructure, especially electricity grid, power stations, and so on, water water plants, and so on. So, um, so there is always a risk that the rocket attack, attack may occur any time. There is pretty good um, uh, alert system, so you have, let's say, 10 minutes to hide, but it may end also that after the attack, you do not have electricity, heating or water for next uh, 24 or 48 hours. So this means that uh, uh, you are working in pretty nervous conditions. You always need to worry, uh, what is the situation at your home? Do you have water, electricity, heating? How you can make food for yourself? Um, how you can get home. Uh, so uh, so I really appreciate the work what my colleagues are doing in, in Ukraine currently. So and then you never know what is the next target of these attacks. Today it's uh, it's a public infrastructure, but today or tomorrow it might be again just a housing as it has been many times. So um, so it's really real hard uh, wartime conditions where our colleagues are working currently in Ukraine. But they are they have been working really efficiently and, and also demand from the Ukrainian government has been high. Uh, they have been very focused on development of new services, um, continuing digital identity development, uh, developing further Ukrainian government uh, uh, smartphone app DIA uh, and so on. We have been also involved in various cybersecurity projects and also assisting Ukrainian military to, to build their cybersecurity capacities. We just recently delivered uh, a cyber range for them so we can train them themselves and so on, on and so on. So we have currently at the end of 2022 under implementation um, several projects with total value more than 40 million euros uh, and, uh, and all of them are financed by European Union. So, so this is a part of European Union assistance to Ukraine and and also making Ukraine more ready after the war has been ending with victory of Ukraine, uh, approximation of Ukraine to European Union. But honest, not all help comes in any case to Ukraine comes from the European Union. There was also the initiative, uh, the, the charity project no? that, uh, that saw the uh, personnel, let's say, of the Governance Academy uh making like uh, donations to what was the project about what was it exactly the activities it was about the schools and teaching or not yeah yeah we just uh, as a as a christmas charity we made an internal project in niga and and our colleagues donated more than three thousand euros uh, and the ega as an organization added the same number of of euros to a project so we are now capable to buy 15 a bit used computers for Ukrainian teachers and deliver them soon to them. So, so this is our very, very small, um, uh, but uh, but personal contribution to Ukraine on the top of work what we do and our our personal charity contributions, what our our staff members have made uh, during the year. 
Uh, charity can be small, but it always matters, especially for situations of need. And indeed, the, the these laptops will go to the Chernihiv uh, region, if I'm not wrong, right? Uh, to ensure that remote uh, that remote work, remote learning can uh, can keep hap- can keep happening. But if we say then that resilience, cybersecurity have been two of the main topics, let's say, of the year. No, would you would you say that they have been the main topics this year for eGovernance Academy? And uh, what mm, what other themes, let's say, our experts have addressed in other parts? Then we will get a little bit more into the Western Balkans, since you uh, since you have mentioned it. Cybersecurity is growing concern globally, and we have seen during this year that many governments have been under heavy attacks, and and some governments has been almost shut down uh, uh, during uh, during uh, this year for for the months, even at least part of their operations. So, uh, so it's, it's also creates a demand uh, towards our expertise, um, how to build up sustainable uh, cybersecurity organization and, and, and set up in the government what is our main, um, main um, uh, support uh, product or consultancy what we provide. Uh, and uh, we see it, it's growing globally. At the same time, also governments globally are searching for uh, for advice how to make their government processes more efficient, how to make um, um, a data exchange uh, more uh, more reliable, more secure, uh, and um, and also definitely how to build up uh, online services for the citizens and businesses. So this is like a continuously growing uh, topic. And, uh, and what we see globally definitely already for many years, but especially developing countries, they want to see government uh, as application in the smartphone, uh, more like older older democracies, they still um, trust computer-based uh, interaction. But we truly believe that also globally, both in developing countries, but also in uh, older democracies, people are very much eager to get the services through government uh, mobile applications. No one is willing to open the of uh, government um, uh, web pages and search for, for the information. Services must be more and more proactive, very intuitive, and with a couple of clicks, you can submit your tax file or, or um, any other any other application or form what you need to submit to a government, rather than filling them up on endless PDF pages <laughs> somewhere in your computer. What is boring? This also leads us again and again to the topic that we need to reuse the data what is already existing in the government. So we don't need to ask to fill the same data again and again and again by the citizens, but rather reusing uh, uh, the existing data and providing for the citizens like a pre-filled applications or or even just asking, is the data correct? And if yes, just submit and, and when it's done. Yeah, this has been a reality already for uh, years, let's say, in the, in the Estonian context. But based on this, then my question to you would be, you know, like we were... We've been talking about proactive services and like how to design proactive services also at this year's e-governance conference. This is a topic in any case that we have raised as well, even before then. So even before May 2020, but sorry, May 2022. But do you think that if you look personally, you know, Johannes, if you look at the state of government digitalization in this moment, no, at least even like in the top-tier countries, let's say, in terms of digitalization and public services in the world. Estonia is obviously one of them. But do you think we are at the stage where this shift to the mobile, let's say, can happen? Meaning, 
is this, you know, the topic of leapfrogging a little bit, no? Because it seems that, in, that instead maybe you have to go like step by step. So like if you don't already have, let's say, the, um, the one-stop shop portal or like, or like that, then maybe you cannot move to the mobile applications. But can countries actually just go to that? You can. You can. You can, yeah. Ukraine, again, is a good sample. We didn't have like almost any one-stop shop for uh, web browser in, in any way, any sense. But we immediately started to move to a smartphone application and it was successful. And, and this is what actually most of our governments, are in, especially in developing world, are also doing. Because there is no idea to develop uh, web-based, uh, uh, browser-based uh, applications because 99% of the population do not have any access to uh, traditional computers or laptops. So, uh, so this means that you need to design everything uh, immediately to the, to the smartphone and the mistake what some governments are doing is still think, uh, that we're still designing the, the services for the browser but uh, but this is this is not the way I think what are in your opinion and among the countries that we have worked with this year those that are mm, that are closer, let's say, maybe to reaching this type of stage? Oh, it's hard to say. It's uh, Many countries are doing uh, even small things here and there uh, pretty well. So um, so in this sense, uh, as I mentioned, Ukraine already, but Ukraine has been very visible also because of the war and, and services, what they are providing for both uh, citizens who are like internally displaced in the country or 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 abroad as, a, as immigrants. So... Um, as Ukraine has been the most visible one, but also Moldova is doing well, and many African countries have started already their mobile applications. So, and then countries in Latin America and Caribbean. So, so there is a lot of good samples globally, and uh, and this is great to see that this is already like a, what we predicted a few years ago that it will happen. Now we see that it's really really flowing globally. Yeah, and indeed, I was thinking exactly of the of uh, African countries, for example, no, when on the topic of leapfrogging, because maybe like those are even the, those that are better positioned to do that, no? Yes, and 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 what we have seen already, like with mobile money, what has been popular in Africa already almost ten years, like M-Pesa and and other payment solutions, those have been very simple, even SMS-based solutions. Now moving definitely to the smartphones also, and this shows us that that people can be very innovative and can use various mobile services even with very limited mobile uh, device capacity. Yeah, broadband or capacity, yeah. Yeah, you can you can do miracles even with SMSs. Now, definitely everyone is moving to smartphones and there is hundreds of times more opportunities. But it's, it's about innovation and also how government either boosting innovation either not, uh, either not limiting the innovation because, let's say, the mobile payments... This was private initiative, so so government can easily cancel it, because we, as government as a regulator, but government was supportive or at least doesn't uh, disturb those those companies who were inventing it. So so if government is allowing to do this kind of things and at least in early phases not uh, overregulating uh, uh, initiatives what are coming from companies, this is always great. Maybe. When uh, this kind of mobile payments are becoming already like a mainstream, you need to start to regulate it also because of taxation and then avoid money laundering and this kind of things. But in the initial phase, it's great if it's just flying. And, and this is a great test if people are using it when it's flying. If people are not using it, it's not flying. <laughs> Hannes, let's, uh, let's head towards the, the conclusion of this episode. Even in a sense, just like 
taking off a little bit the institutional uh, outfit, the institutional umbrella, let's say. For you, personally, you know, what year do you think, uh, how do you feel this year has been as executive director of eGovernance Academy? It has been um, pretty challenging uh, in the sense that uh, that uh, we need to think uh, permanently what is the security sa- situation for our staff in Ukraine. So for the first couple of months of the war, we had headcount every morning uh, until the st- situation a little bit stabilized and at least uh, Russian troops were, were kicked back uh, from Kiev. So um, it has been uh, pretty, pretty nervous. Uh, just to understand every morning, is your stuff uh, well uh, every day alive? Yeah. And um, uh, and also definitely uh, traveling to, to not only to Ukraine, but other regions also has been has been challenging. But uh, I'm very proud about the governance academy staff in all countries we are working. So they have been proud. They have following our our agreed values. And, and really contributing much more than expected. Let's take the ego view to close the episode. What are you looking forward in uh, in the next year? I hope, first of all, that uh, Ukraine will win the war and Russians are totally kicked off from, from all uh, uh, Ukraine territories. And I re- really hope that Russia will learn from it and, and trying to modernize themselves as a, as a normal country, but this is what hardly will happen. Uh, I also believe that we have ahead a lot of uh, remarkable projects globally. Uh, we are in, uh, in the situation of growth, and I really, really believe that this growth will continue next year. And um, I truly hope that uh, EGA staff members will contribute and work as actively but also they can be more with their families in peaceful conditions. Hannes, thanks a lot to you. First of all, for another end of the year episode. So thank you for our listeners also for uh, being with us uh, in 2022 and hope you see you and uh, in, um, in our conference at the end of May 2023 and also uh, listening our podcasts on 2023. Thank you very much. Exactly, because I also have to thank our listeners for uh, for staying with us for another year. I mean, this epi- this podcast is getting uh, is getting old, it's maturing, which is good, and and it's maturing also with me. But anyway, um, yes, Hannes, thanks to you, but also thanks again to all our listeners. And uh, from our side, I mean, the only thing left to say is that we wish you happy holidays for those who will celebrate them, and. Uh, just tune in to the next episode. We will be here. We will be here in uh, 2023, in the years to come. Uh, always me and uh, always Hannes. Also next year. <laughs> so thanks a lot for tuning in and uh, see you at the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.